I'm Cody Archie with Bar 7 Ranch in Gatesville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas wheat harvest is just about done, but up in the northern Texas panhandle, farmers are struggling to get those last few acres out. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As we've talked about previously, there's been a large amount of rain received in the Texas High Plains in recent months. But... Irrigation is still a big factor in our region's agriculture. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have an update from the Texas South Plains on the winter wheat harvest and the cattle and pasture conditions in the very hot summer temperatures. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. The Speak Out for Agriculture Challenge polishes communication skills of high school students in Texas. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details of the special contest on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas wheat harvest is just about done, with the official USDA estimate now standing at 93% complete. But in the northern Texas panhandle, there is still some wheat in the field. Hansford County AgriLife Extension agent Christy Slough says the rain just won't let up. Wheat harvest has definitely been a challenge this year for our producers. We've had two, three days where they can get in and get it out, and then it rains and they're stuck waiting for a while again. I would say we probably have about 75% of our crop out, though. The other 25% is basically waterlogged, and they're waiting to get in there, trying not to run up the fields too bad. I've heard several producers say they are to the point, though, they don't care. They're going to get it out as soon as they can. And it seems to be from one extreme to the other. It is something unlike anybody's ever seen. Go from the worst drought on record to so wet we can't get in to even get the wheat out. Slough says practically all of the wheat that has been harvested was irrigated wheat. Any of the few dry land acres that survived this year were chopped for silage earlier in the year. The 75th annual Texas A&M Rice Field Day is coming up this Thursday in Beaumont. This year's theme is Innovations in Texas Rice Irrigation. The field day will include tours showcasing recent developments in inbred and hybrid rice breeding, plant physiology, nutrients, disease, and insect management. 
There will also be an indoor program with an overview of research from the research station in Beaumont and presentations on developing solutions for agricultural challenges in the future, maximizing water management, and irrigation conservation practices. The event will be held from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Thursday at the AgriLife Research Center in Beaumont. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The American Lamb Board is busy promoting lamb to consumers. David Fisher is a Texas sheep producer who is on the board of directors for the American Lamb Board. He says they've been fortunate to have some extra money to use this year. We're able to bolster some of the current promotional programs we have. We've worked on a series of grazing videos and looked at the right areas to put those out, the right channels to put those out to consumers and chefs alike. Um, we're currently working on trying to get our Climate Smart grant that we received from USDA going. Um, that was a just shy of $5 million grant that the Land Board received. Fisher says that grant will be used to promote the sustainability of the sheep industry. There has been a large amount of rain received on the Texas High Plains recently, but James Hunt tells us irrigation is still a big factor there. We all know that dryland wheat production in our area was pretty much wiped out by the drought that persisted through the winter. But local agronomist Russell French says the benefits of the rains that finally came in the spring are showing up in the yield results as irrigated wheat is harvested. It's not uncommon to have irrigated wheat yields in the 80 to 100 bushel plus range. I know one circle made 113 in Hansford County near Groover. So it was a very good irrigated wheat year. Uh, there's still people cutting wheat. We're not all done in some places, but uh, that that's been cut has done very, very well. So good news there. Now, turning our attention to summer crops, French says farmers have been able to get by with less irrigation so far this season, thanks to those rains. But with temperatures heating up and much area corn reaching critical development stages, crop demand for water is escalating and some strategic irrigation is recommended. With the crops getting up there, usually that third uh, could be up near a half inch a day when we have temperatures over 100 and you know a lot of our uh, Center pivots can only pump, you know, 20, 2,500 a day, some even less than that. Growers are going to have to probably start the pivots back up when it's just a little bit on the wet side so that they don't get behind. And then just make those adjustments. When we do get the rain, they can shut off. And on another note, for various reasons, in a wet year like this one, there can be issues with nitrogen. So growers need to be looking at maybe doing some tissue sampling, some in-season soil sampling, kind of check their nitrogen level, be like checking the fuel gauge in the tractor, see where they're at, and make those corrections with fertigation while they still have a chance to not let it impact their yield. Once again, that was Russell French of French Agronomics in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wheat harvest is done on the southern plains of Texas, while row crops there are looking great. Tom Nicoletti goes to Lubbock for an update. We go to the south plains of Texas now, and Eddie Griffiths joins us. And uh, Eddie, crops are still growing up in your region of the state here in the middle of July. The heat is on. The winter wheat harvest is pretty much done up there. Uh, how did farmers uh, fare with that uh, wheat harvest? Well, I think for the most part, I mean, you did see some go to grain tongue, but majority opted to roll it up and put it into round bales. So it is pretty much all but done. There's a, there's a few acres left out there. Producers are trying to get out of the field. They've had to spray and try to keep wheat under control because, you know, we went from one extreme to the other. Remember through the winter, no rain, drought conditions, and 
We've had ample rain this summer, which has been very beneficial to this crop. But with that, weed control, whether it be in the currently growing crop or even the, the wheat, the few acres that are left out there, you know, they're having to spray some kind of burn down or something just to be able to get a combine in there and harvest it. Let's go to row crops. And of course, the temperatures are increasing uh, in your region as they have across the entire state. How are some of the crops doing up there? All the crops look really good right now, especially the guys that have been able to keep a stronghold on the weeds out there. That, that crop is really flourishing. Or you've had problems with weed control, that cotton starting to fall a little bit behind. But we've had enough moisture even if there are weeds out there, that the cotton still looks really good in there, and and everybody's doing everything they can just to try to keep it under control. But this is a whole lot better situation than what we saw three, four months ago. What about the cattle and the pastures? How are are they doing in this summer heat? The cattle are doing good, uh, especially where we've had moisture. Everything's great, and there's plenty for them to graze on out there. The mesquite, the the cover, the brush has got adequate uh, cover out there where they can kind of get out of the heat, sustain some of the temperatures. We've had a, extremely hot temperatures over the past few days. They, they've been moderate. They haven't they haven't been as hot as what we saw here a week or two ago. But we're getting back into a hundred over 100 degrees and, and it'll give it, the crops a chance to really get growing and livestock will really need to take cover and make sure there's adequate water out there for them to uh, stay cool. Eddie, thanks for your report. Tom, thank you. That's Eddie Griffiths. He's reporting for us today from the Lubbock area. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Speak Out for Agriculture Challenge polishes communication skills of high school students here in Texas. Gary Joyner has more about the contest. It's called the Speak Out for Agriculture Challenge. High school students who are members of Texas FFA or Texas 4-H are eligible to participate. The challenge provides an opportunity for students to develop problem solving and communication skills while learning more about agriculture. The challenge is presented by Texas Farm Bureau at the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo. Registration for the special contest opens July 31st. This year's challenge is September 30th through October 1st. The contest involves a moderator and participants on a pre-selected topic, but it is not a panel discussion. It is an exercise in cooperative problem solving with the questions, answers, and statements coming from any participant at any time. A successful participant is a productive thinker rather than an emotional persuader. The SOFA Challenge provides an opportunity for greater participation for young, active students interested in agriculture. It helps them develop a greater command of basic discussion skills, all valuable traits and skills for the next generation of leaders. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Wildlife, hunting, and conservation enthusiasts from across the state will gather in San Antonio this week. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's critical that your equine veterinarian and your farrier can work together. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. 
Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's critical that your equine veterinarian and your farrier can work together to help your horse. Dr. Bob Judd says there can be disagreements. Many farriers and veterinarians have different ideas about treating different conditions in the horse's foot. That does not mean either one's opinion is wrong as there are different methods to treat different conditions. However, it is important that your veterinarian and farrier are open-minded with each other and can work together to help the horse. Many vets and farriers have an adversarial relationship as both parties feel they know the correct method to treat the condition and cannot agree on a therapy. Regardless who is right or wrong, your farrier and vet must get along and have mutual respect for each other and need to be able to come to a mutual decision on treating your horse. If your vet and farrier do not agree on treating your horse, you may want to consider finding a vet or farrier that can work together. I have been in these situations and it is not good for anyone, especially the horse. Although the farrier is the one that will be doing the work on the feet, the veterinarian has to look at the entire horse and not just the feet because foot issues can affect the entire horse. An example of this is presented in the horse publication concerning a horse with pain in the hips. After Dr. Richard Mansman examined the horse, he found the likely problem was the toes of the horse were too long and the horse had a long toe and low heel conformation, which can cause stress in the muscles of the hip. X-rays of the foot reveal the toe was long, and working with the horse's farrier, the toes were trimmed shorter, which resolved the horse's pain and lameness. This shows the value of the vet and farrier working together to help the horse. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wildlife, hunting, and conservation enthusiasts will gather in San Antonio this week. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Wildlife Association's annual convention kicks off this week at the JW Marriott in San Antonio. Andrew Earle, TWA's Director of Conservation, says the event is a wonderful opportunity for TWA members to get together, learn about the interesting things happening in the world of conservation, and network. The event kicks off Thursday with the Private Lands Summit. There, speakers will discuss topics like endangered ocelots in Texas, feral hog management, avoiding conflict through collaboration, and more. Friday, TWA member committees will meet to discuss the organization's priorities and current work that's ongoing in each of the committee's areas. That evening, there will be a TWA convention kickoff dinner and dance. Saturday the 15th, we have a series of concurrent educational seminars, and those kind of are focused around four broad themes, so to speak. So land management techniques, emerging wildlife research, landowner liability and legalese, and fisheries and marine management. And so those are going to be four separate rooms that we have running from nine till noon with speakers from Parks and Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife Service, research institutions all around the state talking about some really relevant topics for folks. The event will include a fundraising auction with once-in-a-lifetime opportunities up for bid. There will also be over 100 exhibitors on site for people to visit with. A schedule of events and registration is available at texas-wildlife.org. That is texas-wildlife.org. Click on the link at the top of the page that says Wildlife Convention. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, 
I'm Jessica Dolmel. Cattle, cotton, and grains all lower across the board on Wednesday. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed lower on Wednesday, despite the fact that we had a big drop in corn prices. Both live and feeder cattle ending in the red, with August live cattle down $1.95, $176.87. October down $1.47 at $180.25. December live cattle down $1.60 at $183.37. August feeder cattle dropped $0.57, cents, $246.57. September feeders down a dollar two, two forty nine twenty seven, with October down a dollar twenty seven at two fifty eighty two. Cash fed cattle market still mostly quiet. We did have one pen of Southern Plains cattle selling on the online fed cattle exchange at one seventy eight, but it looks like the bids out there in the country are mostly at one seventy six. Feedlots asking one eighty to one eighty two this week. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday choice down eight cents at three twelve oh four. Select up two oh eight at two eighty two thirty two. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock sells them on Monday. Riley, tell these folks how the sale went. I went good, Larry. The market kind of picked up right where we left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, light wheat calves or new crop calves might have been a little bit cheaper than what they were. Uh, the heat and and the, you know, pretty fat little new crop calves. But uh, other than that, everything else, I thought some of the yearlings were probably higher than what they were at the, you know, a couple weeks ago. But uh, ended up with a good sale, uh, 1616 total. Uh, cow market was a couple dollars higher again. Uh, had some pairs uh, bringing anywhere from 1150 up to 2050. Some stocker uh, bred and stocker cows and 900 up to 1600. Packer cows, 108 to 116 on your high-yielding cows, uh, 98 to $1.10 on your breakers. 78 to 90 on your canners, the high yielding bulls, 118 to 124. Low to medium yielding bulls, 104 to 118. Two to three weight choice uh, choice steers, 284 to 310. Calf from eights, 254 to 286. Three to four weight choice steers, 272 to 302. Calf from eights, 232 to 268. Four to five weight choice steers, 246 to 276. Calf from eights, 218 to 252. Five to six weight choice steers, 234 to 270. The heifer mates 214 to 240. Uh, six to seven weight choice steers, 208 to 238. Heifer mates 196 to 224. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice steers, 192 up to 222. Heifer mates 182 to 206. So uh, got along real good. You know, like I said, Margie had some good cattle today. Quality was good. Uh, you know, had pretty good mix of everything. Got a good market test. So real pleased with the way, the way it turned out. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the next sale, Riley. 361-813-6650 is myself. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. 
Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finish lower Wednesday. July hogs down 10 cents at 101.17. The August down 222 at 95.35. Class 3 milk was lower. Nearby July milk down 17 cents, 13.81 a hundredweight. The August down 41 at 14.82 a hundred. USDA released the July crop production and supply and demand report on Wednesday morning. For cotton, they dropped the planted acreage by 169,000 acres. It now stands at just over 11.1 million acres. However, they raised harvested acres by 117,000. Ending stocks forecast at 3.8 million bales here in the U.S. That's 300,000 bales higher than June. Cotton market reacting with a lower close. October cotton down 44 points, 82.51. December cotton down 47 at 81.65. Big drop in the corn market following that USDA report. They are calling for the largest corn crop in history, 15.32 billion bushels. The market did not like that news. It dropped sharply. July corn down 22 cents, 5.49 and three quarters. September corn down 18 and a quarter, 476 and a quarter. December corn down 17 and three quarters at 483 and three quarters. The wheat market took a drop as well. USDA's report calling for more winter wheat production than expected. They're estimating production at 1.2 billion bushels. That is up 70 million bushels from last month's estimate. September Kansas City wheat dropped 14 cents to close at 8.03 a bushel. September Chicago wheat down 27 and three quarters at 6.32 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas down seven at 2.65. August West Texas crude up a dollar six, 75.89 a barrel. The financial markets higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 86 points at 34,347. The Nasdaq up 158, 13,918. The S&P up 32 at 4,472. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.